You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by Zane Nakvi. Al is on assignment, but in Al's place, we are thrilled to have Splash Cousin himself, the the Twitter legend, Jordan Elliott of Niners Nation. Jordan, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. I'm not going to lie. I have pretty big shoes to fill, but I hope I can do my best to uh, hold it down while Al's out of here. <laughs> It's not. It's not yeah, going to take much. You just talk about beer and and be a Yankees fan and just be a, a angry rants. That's that's it, right, Brian? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. The biggest thing is you'll have to shave your head, and that's kind of that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one to get through. But uh, but yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so we had Jordan on. Uh, we've we've been trying to get Jordan on for a while, and and just schedules haven't worked. So we are excited to to have him on. Uh, I know Jordan, you've been you've been on in the past. We kind of want to do a little bit of a mini camp musings, if you will. You know, we touched on some of the, the the stories that came out the first day of minicamp, especially the big one being kind of whether Brock Purdy is going to be ready week one or not. Was Mayoko, you know, Mayoko had his his article and then came out and said that was opinion. And, you know, we said, but Mayoko tends to have pretty, you know, pretty well-informed opinions. And it sh- certainly seems like this team is operating like, uh, like Brock Purdy will be ready week one. And then part of the conversation was, you know, with Brandon Allen here talking about possibly, you know, working out Jack Cohn. Is there, you know, is there possibly a Trey Lance trade uh, in the works for post June one? So they'd actually save money this, this off season. So the first question I wanted to ask you is as somebody who, you know, covers the team uh, for Niners nation uh, just kind of wanted to get your feel on where you are in terms of, your thought process behind whether or not there could be a Trey Lance trade and whether that would, I guess your opinion on, on how you feel that would be, I don't want to say perceived, but what is your opinion on whether or not that would be a good move? I think realistically, the only way that they do that is if maybe Sam Darnold looks really good during camp. Uh, He, gets a slight edge over Trey Lance whenever the depth chart comes out. Cause it seems pretty evident that if all things go right with the recovery, Purdy will be number one on the depth chart. So it kind of comes down to who's going to be the number two. So if we get to a spot where Trey Lance is third on the depth chart and he kind of amicably approaches John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, the front office, and he's like, Hey, you know what? Like I, I would like to go somewhere where I can start fresh to have an opportunity to start. It just seems like it's not really going to work here. I can see the 49ers just, kind of doing right by him, getting something back, if that's the path that it goes down. 
but I don't think that they're going to be looking to move him. I think that the only way they would even do it, even if he is third on the depth chart, is if he were to ask for it and request it. I think that they're just so scarred from the last few seasons where they've had almost everything else in place but a consistent, healthy quarterback. And I think that all the things you hear about insulating the quarterback room and depth and having viable options, I think a lot of people just think it's coach speak or it's just, you know, fluff. But I think there really is substance to it. And it it, it hurts hearing some of these players talk at the podium as a fan of the sport because when you hear them talk about that game in Philly, like they genuinely feel like they were robbed of a chance to play for a Super Bowl. And it's different yeah. than losing a close game or a turnover or a bad call. They literally did not have a quarterback that could throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. I can't remember ever seeing that happen in such a high leverage game in all my years watching football. So I think just the scarring that's left over from that just horrific luck they had in Philadelphia and over the course of the last couple of seasons – We'll just leave them in a position where they're going to keep as many of these guys as possible. But I also don't think they're going to keep Trey Lance against his will if he's voicing very clearly that, hey, this just isn't working out. I'd like to move on and start fresh. So I hate to say it. I kind of think the ball's in Trey Lance's court to see where that goes. I don't think it's necessarily fair that that's the way it goes. But unfortunately, life isn't fair. And the NFL is definitely not fair. Um, so I think ultimately it really boils down to that. And as, as far as reception goes, I mean, most teams would be under a lot more scrutiny just for the way the last couple seasons have played out. You take a guy that high, you move that many picks, they played four games, albeit one season was injury. That's kind of, it's different, but just the whole situation, most teams would be under a much bigger microscope and being criticized a lot more than the 49ers have been. They've just been really successful in spite of it. So if they keep winning this year, I don't think it's going to be as critical of a response. But if Purdy or Darnold or whoever stays ends up not working out and they move off of Lance, I think they open themselves up to a world of criticism, which would be justified. When you move that many picks for a guy, you have to hit. And to this point, I don't think we can say he's a bust, but you also can't say that it's been a success. So I just think the uncertainty is really what makes people the most uneasy about all this. Yeah, and I think that the other thing is that you talk about insulating the quarterback room, and that was a good point because over the last six seasons, the first, actually the only six seasons that Kyle has been here, they've used multiple quarterbacks in every season except for one in 2019. And last year, obviously, as we know, they went through the entire quarterback room. So you add a Brandon Allen to the mix, who is a, a good backup, but a veteran presence there, and now they've really insulated their quarterback room where – to the point where they can absorb the loss of one or two guys now with these the, the rule changes to allow for more quarterbacks to be activated for playoff games, which I guarantee you they will activate all three now at this point, given what happened last year. But what are your thoughts kind of on that? Like, is there anything to that? We talked about it last show where the Brandon Allen signing could be a precursor to maybe like a Trey Lance trade. Like, is there is there anything to that in your opinion? You know, it's really hard. So for the longest time, my whole outlook on like backups and quarterback depth was, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a story, uh, Tom Moore, he was the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis for a long time when Peyton Manning was there. Yeah. And I believe it was John Gruden sat in on a practice and they didn't run anything for the second team during the practice. And Gruden was like, hey, like, what, why, why aren't you running anything for the backups? And he pretty much said, if Peyton Manning goes down, we're screwed. And we don't practice yeah. screwed. And it was a little he bit said, more boring than that. He said, he said, we don't practice fucked. That's what Okay, I don't know if I can swear on you. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Say whatever you want, yep. And that, to me, was always kind of how I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, as, as hard as it is to 
throw in the towel if your starter gets hurt, it's really hard to win without a starting quarterback in the league. And it's just something where as much as you want to prepare for it, it just feels like an exercise in futility. But the 49ers over the last few years have completely changed my outlook on it, uh, especially the way we've seen uh, Nick Mullins, um, Brock Purdy coming in. Some of these guys that you wouldn't expect to be able to just come in right away and find some success. I, I think that you can with this offense, especially given how deep the skill position players are, stay afloat. Whether or not that means you're going to win a Super Bowl, I think it's really hard to envision a scenario where you can win a Super Bowl with Brandon Allen. But if it was like a one, two-week thing, I think that there's a path to winning football games with any person that offers you a competent level of quarterback play at the NFL level where you're not asking them to carry the offense. You're not asking them to light up the scoreboard. You're literally just asking them, don't make a horrendous mistake and just get the ball in space to McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, and this just bevy of playmakers you have. So there could be something to it, Zane. A couple years ago, I would have been like, absolutely not. Like, it doesn't matter who the backup is. You know, whoever they choose as the starter gets hurt, season's over. But last year, they were on their third quarterback and they won the division in Seattle with the guy that was on his third or fourth start at the time. So I'm kind of having to adapt on the fly and just I've gotten to the point where I trust the scheme and I trust the playmakers so much. As long as they believe, as as long as Kyle believes whoever, I always like to think he's kind of like the puppeteer behind the scenes. As long as Mm -hmm. he believes whoever's under center can operate and do what he's asking of in this offense, they're going to be able to win football games. And I haven't seen enough of Brandon Allen to have a strong opinion yet, but he's been in the NFL for a number of years and I, I have no reason to believe he couldn't do it for a game or two if they needed it. I want to touch on one more thing on the offensive side of the ball. And then we've got a couple defensive questions as well. I know that you were at camp, uh, I believe every day last year. Is that correct? Or most days? Yeah, I think every day. The question I have, and, and, and again, it's going to take you reflecting back on that time, you know, Colton McKivitz is coming to step in and, and, and Chris Furster has already said, essentially Spencer Burford is our right guard. Colton McKivitz is our right tackle, which means the offensive line is set as it currently stands. There's sounds like there's really no competition at either of those spots. Did you see anything from McKivitz? Because they've talked about, they, they, they briefly kind of explored trading Mike McGlinchey prior to last season because they believe in Colton McKivitz. Did you see anything from him where you can say, yeah, I think that he's going to be able to step in and, and hold it down or, or do you have some healthy skepticism about this being the plan for the offensive line off the top of my head. I can't recall any specific one-on-one reps, but I took notes on almost all the defensive line and offensive line one-on-one reps. And I definitely had a few where McKivitz had done something positive that I highlighted. I definitely like thinking back on it. I literally had a little notepad that I was keeping all these notes in. Um, I, I definitely remember there was a few instances where I was pleasantly surprised with how well he was holding up against guys that were, first team players, uh, the Ebucoms, the Charles Menehues, um, and those guys that were participating in those one-on-one drills. I think he can do it. I think that the offensive line is an area where like last year we went in and a lot of the skepticism around the team was, well, everything's set, but the offensive line is this big question mark. How are they going to be able to hold up? How are they going to be able to, it seems like people still kind of have those doubts, but if you look at all the metrics, they were a top 10 pass blocking unit and a top 10 run blocking unit last year. I thought they were really consistent across the board, and I thought that that was very impressive considering they had three new starters on the interior uh, and three guys who really hadn't had much experience in the NFL as a starter, even though Brendel's been around for a bit. He didn't have this you know, wealth of experience as a starter. So 
I just think that they've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt with me anyway, uh, especially Chris Forster. I think Chris Forster is brilliant, and I think that there's a tangible swing in how much better the offensive line has looked since he arrived in his role in 2021. He'd been with the team prior, but since he had been promoted to offensive line coach and really gotten to work hands-on with that group and specialize with them, they've been a top 10 pass blocking unit each of the last two years, which was an area they really needed to improve. The run blocking was pretty good before he got there. I would say elite, actually. They were more than pretty good. But the pass blocking definitely left some room to be desired. And since he's been here, he's improved the pass blocking tremendously. So I just think that if Chris Forster believes in them, I have no right to to disagree until we start seeing maybe in camp, preseason, first couple weeks of the season. If the guy's a turnstile and he's getting beat a lot, then it might be time to be like, all right, Chris, maybe we misevaluated this a little bit. But when Chris Forster speaks about O-line, my ears perk up and I listen because the guy's just brilliant. Uh, I think there are a few guys in the game that are on his level of expertise at that position. And if he believes those are the right guys for the job, I have no reason to doubt him. Kind of taking a side here and talk about really, really quickly the uh, the assistant coaches that Kyle has, has assembled on staff and how, you know, year after year, there's coaches that get jobs. It's Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryans. You've got Steve Wilkes, who's come in being a former head coach. That was a fantastic hire. You have Bobby Turner, who was who was a great hire when he brought him with him from uh, from uh, Atlanta and and the old Denver days. You've got Chris Kucerek. You've got Chris Forster. Like it's just it's an embarrassment of riches on the field with the players and the talent that they have. It's an embarrassment of riches with the coaching staff as well because all of those coaches are among the best in the league at their position. I really feel like. That is one area where Kyle has really excelled is is to bring in that coaching talent and have them come and, and work together as a team here. Absolutely. You know, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions about what NFL coaches do is like, I feel like a lot of discourse I see on Twitter or just even hear people talking out and about is like they expect the head coach to be like hands-on with every player on the roster. And you got to think like during yeah. camp and the off season, there's 90 guys on the roster. It's never going to happen where you're going to be able to be that hands-on, which is why you have position coaches and you are able to delegate responsibility and have these guys who are able to be hands-on. And one of the greatest strengths you can have as a head coach is the ability to fill out a staff with competent coaches that are going to get the most out of the players on your roster. And not only has Shanahan been able to do that, but he's been able to go back and replenish those that are leaving and consistently just keep turning out these great hires. Um, I thought bringing in Anthony Lynn last year was fantastic. A guy who's widely respected, great offensive mind, head coaching experience. Just to have those kind of voices in there as well as the pieces that are already in place, I think does wonders for this team. And I think it's why, even though you know there's a lot of veteran talent on the team, but it feels like this team is like a bunch of grizzled old vets. When you look at the roster, a lot of the really core players are, you know, between 25, 28. They're not that old, but I think they feel like that because of the amount of experience and knowledge that just the the entire organization has top to bottom. And so much of that has to do with the way that Kyle and some of these other pieces, uh, you know, whether it's the front office, other coaches, just the network. When, When you really get to know some of these coaches, like I've learned over the years, it really is a fraternity and it really is this tight knit community. And those relationships matter. And Shanahan has them. A lot of these guys on the staff have that, which make the 49ers a destination where when you lose a guy as great as D'Amico Ryans was to be able to bring in somebody like Steve Wilkes, who has all the experience he has, who has that head coaching experience as well. I think it's invaluable. And 
Kyle Shanahan's not perfect. There's plenty of things you can critique about him and what he does as a head coach. But one thing that does get overlooked is how good he is at delegating and filling out his staff. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jordan, I think a lot of people have a, a, a wild misconception about what NFL position coaches do, right? Because you think about if anybody has had experience playing the game or even playing any game, right? When you think about like specific coaching or a position coach, you think like, oh, they're coaching the details, they're coaching, right? And then and then that's why people go, well, why like why would you hire Brian Greasy to to come in and be a quarterback's coach? He's never coached in his life, blah, blah, blah. And then the reality of the situation is that in the NFL, your position coach, like a quarterback coach, he's not coaching your quarterback's mechanics. He's not doing those things. Those QBs are getting that in the offseason from people who specialize in that. The role of the quarterback coach is to be a communicator. And you brought a guy who was getting paid to do that for a living. And you brought him in to, to communicate your offense that he used to run to these young quarterbacks. And I thought that was just an absolute stroke of brilliance, if we're being perfectly honest. And, you know, Greasy's one of the ones that 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 watched and and vouched for for uh for Brock. And now look, you know, look where we're at. So yeah, you know, the Shanahan's ability to fill out a staff. I think is part of what makes him one of the best coaches in the NFL. And speaking right. of those yep. new hires, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, Zane, Steve Wilkes. I wanted to get your, your, your thoughts on this, Jordan. We talked a little bit about it prior to recording, but Wilkes had some uh, media availability on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday. And one of the questions, and I don't know who, who asked the question, uh, but the question came to him and it said, I've seen you on the practice field. You're communicating with your DBs almost after every play. Is that kind of the way you're coaching kind of through the back end? Or is that just kind of, we're just seeing it today. And Wilk said, I coach through the back end because that's really my expertise. So I see certain things back there and I try to make coaching points on the run. And I thought that was interesting because the four Niners under Kyle Shanahan have had two defensive coordinators, Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans. Both Sala and Ryan's were former linebackers coaches. And now you bring in Steve Wilkes, who whose expertise is the secondary. He made his, you know, he made his bones as a secondary coach. 
he actually hasn't been a defense defensive play caller very often in the NFL. I think he only has two full seasons of defensive play calling, but they have a defensive play caller now who specializes in the back end for a defense that is built front to back to have a play caller that kind of views the game from back to front. Do you feel like there's going to be any kind of feeling out process or do you feel like their transition from, from Ryan's to Wilkes is going to be seamless because largely it just has to do with the fact that they are loaded on that side of the ball. I think it's a little bit of both. I think there was a transition from solid Ryan's while they did a lot of the same stuff. I thought that D'Amico added a few of his own wrinkles and I expect Wilkes to do the same, but I also think that he's somebody that is aware of the talent at his disposal. He's been around a long time. I don't think we're going to get into a situation where it's like, he's going to be calling games in a way that, overemphasizes the secondary and maybe overlooks some of the just stacked talent they have up front. Like it's very clear where the strength of this, not only defenses, but the team is like the defensive line is absolutely loaded. So the way I look at it, I think he's going to be able to offer some insight that maybe the previous two defensive coordinators couldn't because of their backgrounds. That's which is what, you know, we saw how good the linebackers have been under Sala and under D'Amico Ryans and the way guys like Fred Warner Dre Greenlaw, Zizal Shahir, some of these guys developed. And I think that had a lot to do with their own expertise. Maybe we see something similar in the secondary now with somebody like Steve Wilkes, who has that, uh, you know, just wealth of experience. Um, not only at the NFL level, he's played in college. Like, he, he can relate to a lot of what these guys are going through coming in early, being younger players in the league. So I think with the amount of youth the 49ers do have in their secondary, that could end up being a big uh, return on investment, not only just for what he brings as a defensive coordinator, but his ability to develop those guys on the back end. And, you know, just as for the way, you know, he's maybe going to call things. Uh, I spoke to Brian Burns at the Pro Bowl about that, and I thought he had a great quote about that when I was talking to him, where he basically said, you know, before Coach Wilkes took over, because he was the passing game coordinator before Matt Rule got fired, then he took right. over as interim head coach. So once he took over, he said that what they were stressing in defensive meetings was – before Wilkes was the defensive coordinator, Burns was dropping into coverage a ton. They were doing a lot of things with him that, while it's creative, you want guys like that that are elite pass rushers to just focus on getting after the quarterback. So basically what Burns said was once he took over, he's like, I got to pin my ears back and get after the quarterback. He emphasized putting guys in positions where we were going to succeed and where our strengths were going to be maximized. And he allowed me to pin my ears back and get after the quarterback. When you think about you know Nick Bosa and then you have Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave, all this talent they have up front, I think that Wilkes is going to allow these guys to get after it and then, you know, utilize his expertise on the back end to maybe tweak some things back there. And, you know, maybe we get some different coverage looks. Maybe they're, they're disguising things a little bit differently. I definitely think there'll be that kind of, you know, that kind of adjustment, if that makes sense. But I don't think he's going to completely overhaul everything because, again, part of succeeding as a coach in this league is, adapting to circumstances and playing the player's strengths. I mean, these guys have been a top five defense for the last four years in the system. I think you'd be foolish to come in and think that not necessarily that you can come in and do it better, but to completely overhaul it and take these guys out of the positions where they were so successful. If anything, you come in with that foundation and then you add your own layers to it. And that's what I expect Steve Wilkes to do. So you mentioned uh, the, the defensive line being stacked. And I think that that, it, it kind of remains a strength for this team and and it's and it's always really been a strength since Nick Bosa got here the position opposite Bosa worries some people that's that's a position that Al has been very vocal about them not really addressing uh to I guess the, the proper extent uh in his in his opinion but 
I think that they they've done things bringing in Cleveland Farrell. They've got Drake Jackson in the second year. He's bulked up a little bit. They've got some some guys there. They they drafted Robert Beal Jr. as well. Who's gonna be who's gonna be gonna be in the NAS, the NASCAR package? But we've been kind of kicking around the idea of them signing a bigger name to come in and, and platoon with them or uh, just as, as another, as another uh, rotational guy or a, a guy, possibly guys like Frank Clark, Yannick and Gawkway, Justin Houston have been mentioned. So uh, Frank Clark got signed by the Broncos, by the way, yesterday as, as of recording the show, but John Yannick Gakwe is still out there. He's still waiting for a contract. He's, he's not even 30 years old yet. He had a great season in, Indiana, in Indianapolis last year. So, I feel like that's the next sort of logical move that they might make. Or do you feel like there could be another Arden Key or Charles Menu? I know that you're a big Charles Menu fan, and I love the, the coverage that you gave him last year and, and the nuanced way that you presented that because while he may not have had the sack numbers, he was constantly in the backfield creating havoc. And I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that out because it's not all about sack numbers. It's all about pressure and getting the quarterback off of his spot and getting him to make a read that he's not ready to, to, to make. So do you feel like that solution is currently on the roster or might we see like a signing like Ngakwe coming? I think that they're going to lean in-house. I think they really do believe a lot in Drake Jackson. And I think that there's good reason for that. I, I believe in him as a player. I was a big fan of his before he came out. And I thought that the only real issue early on was it looked like he needed to bulk up a bit. And it appears like that's what he's done this off season. So I think there is a lot of belief in Drake Jackson. And while I'd like to see them add, you know, I, I never think you can have too many edge rushers, right? Like that's a position where I've never heard a team complain like, oh man, we have too many guys who can get after the quarterback, right? Like you figure it out. If you have too many, you have to cut some guys. They've dealt with that the last few seasons with how deep the defensive line group's been. You worry about that come roster cuts early September. So I think to me, the name that I have kept coming back to all off season and I will stand on until they get signed elsewhere is Justin Houston, because I think that Justin Houston fits this perfect balance of being a guy who can contribute and be in that rotation and offer something uh, tangible on the field while also being a proven mentor that can kind of be this veteran voice in that room on the edge and teach some of these younger guys, the Drake Jacksons, the Robert Beals, and as great as Nick Bosa is, I'm sure there's some things he could teach Nick Bosa given the amount of experience he has at the NFL level. And he was extremely productive last season for Baltimore. Um, he appeared in 15 games, if I'm remembering correctly, and he had multiple pressures in 12 of those games. So it wasn't like he was just, you know, the wily vet on the sideline that was, you know, playing that, you know, it's a different sport, but playing that kind of like Udonis Haslam role where he's just this old veteran guy dropping wisdom down, which has its value. But he was actually out there on the field, and there were some games where he completely took over. And I went back and I watched about four or five of his games on tape, and he still has it. He still has a tremendous amount of bursts off the line. His get-off is still there. He has an exceptional amount of power um, in his bull rush still. So to me, when I look at Justin Houston, I'm like, this is the guy that I think makes the most sense where you're not going to have to pr- – I, I don't know contract figures that well. I don't like speculating because a lot of times it really is just speculation. But I think he's a guy where you could get for a reasonable price tag where you're not having to you know, maneuver the cap around too much. But he would be able to come in and give you something where you're getting that, that valuable veteran input, but he's also somebody who could step in and wreck a game opposite Nick Bosa. Even if you just have him in a role where it's like, hey, third and eight, third and nine, that's when he's going to be out there on the field. Uh, we're going to strictly use this guy in pass rushing situations, let him focus on just getting after opposing quarterbacks. 
I think he could do it, and I think he could do it at a high level. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I like that you uh, brought up Udonis Haslam with the heat in the finals right now. Well done. Well done. And the interesting thing is, is, you know, when Al talks about it, really, I and, and I share Al's fear. Al's fear is... What happens if Bosa goes down, right? And it's kind of that same idea of what we just talked about with Tom Moore, right? Like if Bosa goes down, like it, it just it, the game has changed, right? It, it, it's less about you know how good they are now, and more about like can we can we weather however long he's out? And so to me, it's almost like if you wait for that to happen, guys like Houston, guys like Ngakwe, right? They're gonna be gone because they will get signed. Probably, you know, once camp start, somebody's going to lose a guy and all of a sudden it's like, we got to go out and get another guy. Right. And so to me, it's almost like, why not be proactive and, and see now maybe those guys, you know, aren't ready to sign right now because for the exact reason, right. We're going to wait for a team now. It's kind of, kind of the idea with quarterbacks as well. We're going to wait for a team to have an injury. Right. And then all of a sudden they're desperate and we're going to get more money than we would if we signed now. But I, I would like to see them bring at least one more body in that if Bosa went down, they are a little bit more insulated. Cause right now I agree that there's depth, but to me, the depth is more interior now than, than on the edge, right? Where last few years it's been on the edge and, and thin on the interior. Now the interior, you've got Armstead and Hargrave and Kinlaw and uh, Kalia Davis and the kid from Penn state, Kevin Gibbons. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so you've got depth there. Yeah. You've got, you know, so you've got depth there, but then on the edge, you've got Bosa and you've got Jackson and then you've got Cleveland Farrell who don't know. Right. But we believe in Chris Kasurik. We're Chris Kasurik truthers on this podcast, right? He's going to get whatever is in there. He'll get it out, you know, and you've got Beal and, and, but you've just got less depth there. And so if you could just increase the depth there again, like you want to insulate the quarterback room, insulate that that edge rusher room because it is very top heavy as it stands right now uh, I also believe in Drake Jackson and I'm excited to see it and I think largely that's why they didn't address the the position early in the draft and why they didn't you sign you know a, a big name free agent yet but I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing some kind of some kind of uh insulation there if you will yeah but and I mean it is it, what it is at this point but, you know, you look at the Chiefs and the year that they got rid of both, if we're talking about Justin Houston, they, the year that they got rid of both Justin Houston and D Ford, they won the Super Bowl, right? So that was, True. I remember before that year, I was like, wow, that's going to hurt them. And wow, that didn't hurt them. But again, 
that's Patrick Mahomes, right? That's that's what an all-world quarterback will do for you. So it's okay. We got Mahomes light. We got Mahomes without the arm. So it's okay, right? Brock and who Purdy. knows? He might have the arm now. Yeah, he's got he, he might with the elbow surgery, you might. He, he'll have a, a nasty slide piece coming coming out of the, the bullpen now. But uh, as we have time for, I think, one more uh, one more topic here. A little bit lighter, Jordan. Um, so we we did a we did a an interesting thing the last show. We did it. We did a movie draft, a football movie draft, the last show, and uh, we had some interesting choices. Seems like most people liked yours, Brian, over everybody else. But I did. I did win that poll. No big deal. I kind of dominated. Poll, yeah. It was forty some odd percent, and you guys split the rest. It's been a good week for you. Actually, you went viral with that Alex Smith tweet too. So it's been a really good week on Twitter for you so far. I did. Yeah, stacking up. Want to get Alex on so, the show now? We should. So, with that being said, Jordan, what are your what are your top five football movies of all time? All right. So I'll be honest, guys. I was a little disappointed that Friday Night Lights. <laughs> to me, Friday Night Lights is like a tier in its own, just because I thought the performances were so authentic. I'm a big Billy Bob Thornton guy. I think he's a great actor. Um, you know, and I thought it was, it was tremendous range, right? Cause that's like right around the time he did bad, bad Santa. Great movie too. Obviously a little bit different style. And I was like, wow, like this guy's range is fantastic. And the, you know, the thing that gets me always in that movie is just like the authenticity that like those guys had. And especially towards the end of the movie when it's like a lot of them were like, Hey, this is like our last time playing football together probably. And like that halftime speech to me, it was just like, it was everything you could have hoped for in a movie that elicits emotions that I think we can all relate to, or anybody who's played sports can relate to. So for me, Friday Night Lights has to be there. I respect your guys' opinion. Obviously, I was just baffled. I was taken aback. I'm like, not even one person had Friday Night Lights. Like, stunned me. But again, I digress. That's not. It's not important. Um, remember the Titans is definitely on there as well. Um, I yeah. definitely have to have remembered the Titans. Um, I'd say any given Sunday for sure. Mm-hmm. The longest yard, and then which one? The you know the original is cool. The Adam Sandler one's awesome, dude. The Adam yes. Sandler one I think blows yes. it out of the water. No disrespect. Yes. You know, Burt Reynolds is in both, so I don't think it's really disrespecting Burt Reynolds. But <laughs> there you go. I would say the Adam Sandler one for sure. And then the last one's really hard for me because you know, like I, I love some of these movies. Like I, I really thought Draft Day was was uh, for what it was. I watch it almost every year on the draft. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Yep. But I would say The Water Boy. Like it's it's a classic. It's funny. I, I hate to double down on Adam Sandler movies, but he was hitting on it, man. He was doing a good job. So I would say Friday Night Lights, Remember the Titans, uh, Water Boy, Longest Yard, and um, what was the other? Any given Sunday. Any given yeah, Sunday. Classic. Yeah, any given Sunday is classic. You hit you hit on all three of our lists. That you got at least one movie from each of our lists. So well, they were good well, lists. You, they were good lists. I like it. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for your time. We genuinely appreciate it. Uh, we'll definitely have you on. Uh, you know, uh, I read that Steve Wilkes transcript and somebody asked him what he's gonna do with his 40 days off. And it just reminded me that we have 40 days without football, and I just I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, but, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have you on. I would imagine again, uh, probably this off season, it'd be fun to get some round tables with other content creators and things like that. Uh, but let everyone know where they can find you, where they can read you, where they can listen to you, whatever it is that you want to want to promote. Yeah. So just, you know, Niners nation, um, unfortunately, I would say unfortunately, but I, I will still be writing throughout the dead period pretty much every day. So, this is the time of year where I really have to dig deep and try and find things that are going to be engaging that people will uh, 
hopefully want to seek out. So I hope I can fill some some of the void that'll be there with really not much, like you mentioned, going on in the football world. So um, Niners Nation and, you know, there's a team of great writers there. I'm really privileged to get to work with some great people there that do fantastic stuff. And uh, we'll all be just, you know, plugging away. It might not be as uh, as consistent as it is during the season, but, you know, still every day there'll be something new. Um, and, you know, like I said, a lot of different great people there. So a lot of different perspectives. So even if you're not a fan of my stuff, I guarantee you somebody there will have something you can resonate with. And, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I'm just trying to, you know, find time to uh, get through this dead period. And thankfully the Giants remember that they're a Major League Baseball team right in time. So hopefully that'll get us by. And uh, That's right. That's right. <laughs> We could keep going on this run that they've been on. I don't want to jinx it, but you know, taking three in a row at Denver is never easy. I'm repping, so. I'm repping the River Cats hat because of of the young guys that are making a difference right now. I love it. I absolutely I love like it. it. Like it. I like Beautiful. it. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you so much. We finally got this to, to happen, man. It's it's been it's been a while, but thank you so much for joining us. And uh, as always, you are always welcome back here whenever you want, man. Whenever you want to come, let's hey, do it again. It's a pleasure. Literally, anytime you guys let me know, and I'll make time. We'll do it. Fantastic. Thanks, brother. Brian, send us off, buddy. All right. We will be back next week with uh, two more episodes. Do we know what we're going to talk about? Well, this is Friday. We do not, but we'll get something out there. I promise you. But for Zane and Al, and again, thank you to Jordan of Niners Nation. We will see you guys next week. Later. Niners on three. One, two, three. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.